High Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. The month of October is Pastor Appreciation Month. Here at High Praise, we love and appreciate all of our pastors. Today, we're honoring our lead pastors, Pastors Joshua and Miranda Gay. Pastor Joshua and Pastor Miranda, we just want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts uh, for everything that you've done to us, everything you've spoken to us. Um, you know, many of you here at High Praise don't know uh, what all we've went through as a couple, as a family, um, personally, but being with you, Pastor Joshua and Pastor Miranda in Orlando has really uh, strengthened us as a family, strengthened us as a couple. Um, there's so many times where it would have been easy to give up or throw in the towel or you kick me out <laughs> all of these things but being under you know the pastoral leadership not only of pastor robert pastor tasty but of you guys of, of you pastor josh and pastor Miranda, it really taught us how to stick it out and how to let our yes be yes and and submit and really um say yes to the process uh, you know and and forward regardless of whatever the situation may be um, you know we wouldn't be here as a married couple if it wasn't for you guys um, our children wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys um, so we just want to say from the bottom of our heart thank you for everything that you've done for everything you continue to do hey pastors Joshua and Miranda we just want to tell you how much we appreciate you and how honored we are to call you our pastors uh, this month of appreciation you deserve more than just a month um, but we just want to tell you that your desire to reach the community and reach the lost is such a blessing to our church and we're thankful that you're back with us and we look forward to seeing what God has in store for us with you here. When we moved down to Orlando in, in 2016 at the beginning, you know, Catherine didn't even really know you guys that well. Yeah, it's kind of funny because we joke still that like, I was terrified of Pastor Joshua. Like, I honestly can't say I ever had a conversation with him until we had moved to Orlando. And it was that time in Orlando that we really got to form um, that relationship with Pastor Joshua, Pastor Miranda, and not just on a ministry level, but on a personal level. And they truly, you truly are family to us. Absolutely. And your children are family to us. And our kids love your children. Um, you know, we've, we've learned so much from you guys on, on personal levels, yeah. on um, as a married couple, as family, as parents, um, in so many different aspects. And so you guys truly are the real deal. And we thank you for that. We thank you that you stick to your word and you do not sway that what you preach is what you teach is what you live. And we've seen that in action many times, whether it was in person, in a personal setting, or whether it was we were sitting on your counseling couch. <laughs> and we thank you for being those type of people that are loyal and that have so much integrity. And if you guys don't know Pastor Miranda, she is a fireball. I will yeah. say she is one of those people that before we moved to Orlando, I was like, oh, she can preach and she will tell you what you need to hear and she has so much anointing on her so thank you guys for everything that you've done for us for 
for sewing into our lives, for guiding us, for teaching us, and we're so so, so excited about what is ahead of us because I know that the Absolutely. best is yet to come. Absolutely, you know, the, the thing is, you know, more is caught than taught, and we can, I know that we can sit here and say 110% that we, you know, learned so much from just being around you guys. You know, as Kat mentioned, being on my counseling couch or being on your couch or at the dinner table, yep. just you guys pouring into us just of love. And not even necessarily ministry, right. but of just loving us. Um, and that goes to show, you know, we're not loved because of what we can give. We're not loved because of what we do for the church or what we do for individuals, but we're just loved because you love people. Yes. And we're so incredibly thankful for that. And from the bottom of our hearts, again, we just want to say thank you. We love you. Happy Pastor Appreciation. And as Kat mentioned, we're so excited to see what God has for us in the future. And uh, the best is really yet to come. We love you. Happy Pastor Appreciation Month. We love you. Put your hands together, stand to your feet, and give honor where honor is due to pastors Joshua and Miranda Gay. Let's give a big praise, God, and thank the Lord for Pastor Joshua Miranda. Praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to have him say something in just a second. I just want to say as his, uh, I am your father. Yes. But anyway. Uh, he is our oldest son, and uh, I tell you what, he's been a blessing from day one. He's always had a heart after God, always loved the Lord, always sought the Lord, always went after the things of God, and uh, we never had, uh, you know, one issue with him, really, for with all three of our children. They were always, uh, you know, we believe what the Bible says, that our children are taught of the Lord, and great is their peace. And we believe that as we train up our children the way that they should go, whenever they're old, they will not depart. And they've served the Lord uh, all the days of their life. And we're so thankful for him. We're so thankful for his commitment to the Lord, to the things of God. So thankful for his commitment to ministry. Just to be honest with you, uh, he, he lives, eats, sleeps, ministry, and the call of God. I had to kind of calm him down every now and then. I'm watching a football game right now. I just want to watch... All right. Uh, I, even I know the Knowles are losing, but it's okay. We're still going to watch the football game. But he loves the Lord. He is consumed and has a passion for the things of God and has a passion. This is not a profession for him. It is a life call. It is what God has placed within his heart. And I really believe that uh, the, the, the Lord looked all over the uh, world and found a young lady right here in Bay County in Panama City, sent their family here to the church, and God gave him the most wonderful wife in Miranda, the one who loves the Lord, loves her family, loves her children. I'd like for us one more time, just give a big praise God for them. Yeah, I was going to just say something about Miranda. You know, Joshua waited and waited. We tried like everything to find him a wife. And he's like, Mom, y'all stop. He, would, he wouldn't even go places with us because we were only always searching when he turned 18. But we are so thankful that Miranda visited that Sunday um, from Florida State. And then by the uh, uh, semester change, she was back here. And they were engaged and married. And we are so thankful God sent Miranda to him. He needed her. <laughs> and she's powerful, I'm telling you. Y'all y'all just wait. Y'all just hold on to your seats because I'm telling you, she's a powerful woman of God, and you're going to be blessed by her Amen. in the coming years. First of all, I'd like the record to show I never almost kicked Travis out of the church. Um, <laughs> 
But in all seriousness, if you would have told us a year ago we would be here, I probably would have laughed at you, to be honest with you. Um, but we're so thankful that we are. Uh, and we're so thankful that the, uh, the Bible says a righteous man's steps are ordered of the Lord. And a year ago we were in Orlando. We kind of thought that's where we'd be, and now we're here. And honestly, there's nowhere else in the world I'd rather be than right here in this moment with these people doing what we're doing together. Because I'm telling you what, the plans that God has are absolutely incredible for what's ahead. And uh, we've been saying it over and over again. Our greatest days are still ahead. We're just getting started, and we are. We're celebrating 25 years, but the next 25 is going to be even better than the 25 before. Can somebody say amen? Thank you. We love y'all. We appreciate you so much, baby. Man, we are so happy that God just sometimes comes in and shakes up your plan um, and um, because his is so much better than what you think. And we're so, so happy to be back here and serving with you guys. And I just want to take the time to say thank you guys so much. We love you and we couldn't do any of this without you. Thank you for your support, for your serving, for being here, for encouraging us. We just really love and appreciate each and every, every single one of you. Amen. We love y'all. Real quick, though, a couple business things. Next week, you want to be here. Apostle Leon Walters is going to be in the house Sunday morning. You don't want to miss it. If you've never been here when Apostle Leon ministers, powerful, one of the most accurate prophetic words of anyone that I know. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be awesome. And then men, next Sunday night, you really don't want to miss it because we're going to have a special event with Apostle Leon, our, uh, our wild game feast. We are going to have, we're going to smoke a whole pig. We're going to smoke a whole gator. We've got ostrich Bruce, I know Bruce is going to be here. We've got venison. We've got all kinds of stuff. We're going to have a blast. Quail, uh, we're going to have a blast. You want to make sure you're here. Free meal, going to get awesome ministry with Apostle Leon. Uh, it's going to be wonderful. MG's doing this, I'm sure, because we're smoking a whole gator. He's like, I'm out. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be, oh my goodness. It's going to be wonderful. You don't want to miss it. And then, um, Pastor Miranda, I want to mention one thing that's to this week, real quick. Yes, ladies, we are going to be having our Lift Ladies Lunch this Thursday, the 20th, at the Olive Garden at 11 o'clock. So please make sure you come out. We'd love to fellowship with you and get to know all of you ladies a little bit better. And um, so it's just going to be a fun time to just hang out. And so make sure, please make sure that you text the keyword to um, that number. It is lunch so that we can get accounts and so that we have enough room for everybody. And um, so just make sure you come out. That's this Thursday, Olive Garden at 11 o'clock. That's right. So you can text lunch to 850-600-6880. Get signed up. It's going to be wonderful. Ladies, you don't want to miss it. Awesome time. Take your lunch break. Come out, fellowship, get built up, and you can go back to work and have an awesome day. But once again, thank you all so much. We love you all. Appreciate you so much. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Give my hand one more time. Let's praise Well, how many of you excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? How many of you are so thankful that you're alive and serving Jesus today? Praise God. Uh, this is the day the Lord has made, and we will do what? Rejoice and be glad in it. It is great to see all of you here this morning, and 
Some of you may be visiting and you may be questioning us, is that the way that y'all always worship the Lord? Are y'all always that wild? And y'all know what my answer is, and that is as often as possible. Praise God. How many of you know the Bible says that we are to rejoice? It says, let them praise his name with the dance. And I want everybody to understand that the devil didn't create dancing. God originated it and planned for it to be used in celebration of his presence, his goodness, and his greatness within our lives. I'm fully convinced there's some people that are going to have, uh, there's got to be some type of classroom right as you enter the gates of heaven called Worship 101 because there's some people that are going to be in culture shock. They can't go to the throne of God because I will tell you that around the throne of God, everything that you saw this morning, that's what's going on around the throne of God. And whenever you look at a picture of heaven, read Revelation 19, you see that they're rejoicing around the throne of God. The Greek word there is a galio, which means to spin around and to twirl about. They are, they're, they're bowing before the Lord. They're singing before the Lord. They're shouting. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the sound of the praise and worship in heaven sounds like loud peals of thunder. Now, we that live here in Florida, we know what loud peals of thunder sounds like. As a matter of fact, it can literally shake our houses from time to time and understand that that's what's going on around the throne of God. And I don't want to disappoint anybody, but the reality is heaven is not a quiet place. Heaven may be the very the noisiest place that you'll ever go because there's always worship that goes around uh, goes on around the throne literally 24/7 although there's uh, not 24/7 as we know it right now but it's just continual and it's everlasting amen so uh, it's good for us to be able to come together and be able to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth you know we made a decision when we started the church 25 years ago and there's a story behind that Stacey and I we didn't really want a pastor but God called us to pastor and uh, had several different prophetic words. And when we launched this uh, church, we made a decision right at the beginning. Said, this is going to be a house of praise. We're not going to put high praise on the building just because that's a good name. We're going to put that name on the building because that is who we are. We are going to offer up the high praises of God. Amen. Everybody say the high praises of God. It's what it says in Psalms 149. Let the high praises of God be in your mouth and a two-edged sword in your hand. And then it goes on to say what high praise, the high praises of God begins to do. I will tell you that whenever you begin to worship God in the way that the Bible commands us to worship God, you will see victory, you will see triumph, and you will see the enemy crushed beneath your feet. Amen. If you've got some enemies that are still wiggling around, then you just need to start praising and worshiping God with all your might, all your soul, all, all your strength. Amen. And whenever you do that, begin to dance like David danced. I was looking at some of these kids down here, and some of them were my grandchildren. As a matter of fact, we have three of our grandsons. Uh, well, we actually have more grandchildren than that that are here today, but three that we're keeping today. Uh, Pastor Mike and Chelsea, they had us, um, they were celebrating pa uh, Pastor Chelsea's birthday. So we had the privilege and the blessing of being able to watch our three grandchildren um, for the last three days. Hallelujah. There's a reason you have kids when you're young. I want to tell everybody that. But anyway, we watched them for the last three days, but two, two of them were down, uh, all three of them were down here. But Gideon, he's got some moves. I don't know if anybody saw, he was right here, he's kind of the lanky one that was right here in the middle, and his feet were just going all over the place. I'm going, my Lord, where does he get that energy from? 
but he just, he, he dances whenever the music starts. As a matter of fact, we can be in places and music starts and he wants to start getting his groove on. And uh, by the way, if you're going to get your groove on, you ought to be getting your groove on for Jesus. Amen. You ought to be worshiping the Lord. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Turn to Genesis chapter three, verse one. Last week we started a, um, we began a message and we're going to move forward from that, but began a message that we are entitled Eyes Wide Open. And today I want to conclude that, but the greatest takeaway from this past week's message is this. Whenever we live with spiritual vision and spiritual insight, it will cause us to walk in victory. Whenever we fail to live our lives with spiritual insight and spiritual vision, seeing beyond what we can see in the natural realm, then we will always walk in defeat and we'll always walk in fear. You know, there's a lot of people today that are walking in fear in our culture and our society and many even in the church that are walking in fear. How many of you realize that we as the body of Christ, we have no reason to fear? God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of, and of, and of a, so we have absolutely no reason to be afraid. I know there are reports of things and I know things we can look at in the news. There's this and that and this other thing that's going on and this is happening and it seems like many times the culture and the natural is going the wrong direction. But how many of you know that God is not moved in the natural and what God is determined to do, he is still going to do regardless of what those in the earth decide that they're going to do. Regardless of the direction the culture goes, hear this, my God, God is greater. Hear this. Revival is greater than sin. The Bible says that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Everybody say much more abound. You know what that means? Whenever the sin is turned up, guess what? God is going to turn on the grace even that much more. There's going to be a greater revival. Listen, I believe with all my heart that there is a worldwide revival that we are standing on the brink of right now, and we are going to see millions upon millions of people swept into the kingdom of God. Amen? I believe that this nation is going to be saved. I believe that our culture is going to be saved. I believe that God is going to turn things around. And it's not based upon, hear how I say this, a politician doesn't have the ability to change your heart. Only Jesus can change your heart. And my friend, whenever we get things right on our inside, and whenever the nation gets things right on the inside, everything else will begin to fall into place. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And we need to once again begin to turn our eyes upon the Lord, turn our eyes upon Jesus, and begin to receive him in the fullness of all that he desires to do. However, if you walk around with your eyes shut, if you walk around in spiritual blindness, you won't be able to see what God plans and what God desires. How many of you are willing for God to heal your eyesight so that you can see what he has for you, amen? You have to look beyond what you're seeing in the natural realm. That's the reason the Bible says that the just shall walk by. Say, we walk by faith. Come on, say it. We walk by faith, not by sight. Say it again. We walk by faith and not by sight. Listen, walking by faith is a decision that you have to make. And in making that decision, you have to also make the decision, I'm not going to walk by merely what I see in the natural realm. Because you can't walk in faith and walk by merely what you see in the natural realm at the same time.
If you're walking by what you merely see in the natural realm, hear this, you're not walking by faith. Walking by faith requires you to elevate your vision and begin to see something that God has out. He, he's already prepared it for you and you have to begin to look at that and begin to pursue that rather than what you see in the natural right now. Hear this, there are prophetic promises that, are, that God has declared over your life and for you that are believing for your children, for those prodigals, it might look right now like it's an impossible situation. It may look in the natural like they're lost and they're not serving God, but hear this, my friend. God wants you to give you a fresh vision so that you'll begin to see them saved, begin to see them lifting up their hands and worshiping the Lord, begin to see them prophesying in the house of the Lord, amen? God wants to give you fresh insight and a fresh vision, amen? We have to begin to get our eyes beyond what we see in the natural. And so it says here in Genesis 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the, free, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, notice what the serpent says, this is what the devil said, you will not surely die. How many know that's a lie? Listen, you, you can always be assured of this, of whatever the devil says, the opposite is true. If the devil said it, as a matter of fact, if the enemy's lips are moving, you can be guaranteed that it's a lie, right? And what we have to realize is whenever the enemy says and whatever the enemy has declared, the opposite is always the truth. And so he says, you will not surely die, which was a lie, for God knows that in the days that you eat of it, notice this, your eyes will be opened. Now the, the enemy said here, whenever you eat of this, your eyes are gonna be opened. Now how many of you know that that is also a lie? That's a lie that the enemy said. And you will be like God knowing good and evil. This morning, I want to share some things about what will actually inhibit having correct spiritual vision and prophetic insight to see beyond where you're at right now. I said this last week, and you may want to write it down. If you didn't write it down, if you can't perceive it, you'll never see it. In other words, if you can't perceive it in the spirit, you'll never see it in the natural. I also said this, if you can't perceive it, you'll never receive it. You can't receive what you cannot see. There is no such thing as blind faith. Faith has insight. Faith has vision. That's the reason Paul said that we don't look at the things which are seen, for they are temporary. They're subject to change. We look at the things which are not seen. Can I tell you, I'm looking at things beyond the seen realm right now. Whenever Hurricane Michael hit here, we had to look beyond what we were looking at. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Whenever you drove around in the natural, the only thing that we could see was blue tarps. The only thing that we could see was trees falling down. The only thing that we could see is roofs that were blown off of houses. The only thing that we could see was total wreck and devastation all around. But God gave us a word, and that word is this, I will restore, I will shalam, and you will have more than you had before. Can I tell you, whenever we got more than we had before, it was the moment that we chose to begin to look beyond the blue tarps and begin to look beyond the trees that had fallen, but we had to begin to believe something and see 
a greater day that God had for us. Can I tell you, I believe there's a greater day that's coming to our nation, but it's not gonna happen if we don't begin to look beyond. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We have to look at what God has said. We have to look at what God has declared. Listen, there's been so many declarations, prophetic words that God that have been made over this church body about revival. My friend, we haven't seen the fullness of it yet, but I'm telling you, our best days are yet to come. There's a great revival that is coming to America. There's a great revival that's coming to this region. There's a great, are you hearing what I'm saying today? There's a great revival, and regardless of which direction the culture is going, listen, God can snap his finger and bring the, jerk a knot in your chain. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody here ever had God kind of jerk a knot in your chain? Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say that? It might be a foreign uh, 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 colloquialism or something, a, a phrase that many people may not understand, but God knows how to get your attention. And I believe that there is great revival that's coming. I believe there's great revival coming to Bay County. I believe there's great revival coming to your household. I said there's great revival coming to your household. I'm gonna say it one more time, and if you want it, you need to grab hold of it. The Lord is saying great revival is coming to your household, and your sons and daughters are gonna prophesy the prodigals are coming home. There is an outpouring of the Holy Ghost that's gonna affect you right where you live, right where you work, right where you go to school, right where you shop, hallelujah. I'm gonna go ahead and say, I believe there's a great revival coming to Winn-Dixie. There's a great revival coming to Target. You're gonna be in Target and the Holy Ghost is gonna fall. Well, I don't believe that. Well, it won't happen to you, but there are some that'll believe it and some that will take it wherever they go. Amen. There's great revival coming to Tyndall Air Force Base. Hallelujah. I said there's great revival coming to Tyndall Air Force Base. We've seen God's restorative power and great things are happening. You know what we're about to have? I was talking with Pastor Gill and he said that the big, the shipment, the, the, uh, with the, the influx is gonna start sometime in the spring of this coming year. We're gonna have troops that are gonna begin to come in once again. Is that correct? Uh, that are gonna be coming in this next year. There's gonna be a deployment this coming year and we're gonna see uh, several of them. And listen, there's gonna be a lot of them that aren't saved. Hey, why don't we just go ahead and start declaring, Lord, we declare the name of Jesus. Give us the heathen for our inheritance. Lord, we declare in the name of Jesus, those that aren't saved, that you're going to bring them into the kingdom, that you're going to plant people strategically in their lives, and they're going to come into the kingdom of God. They're going to be saved. They're going to be healed. They're going to be delivered by the power of God. Amen? I believe that's what the Lord wants to do. So anyway, we see right here that the enemy says, the day that you eat, What's gonna happen is your eyes are gonna be opened. Now, once again, we know that the devil is a liar. Somebody, tell somebody the devil is a liar. So whenever they ate, the reality is their eyes were not opened, their eyes were actually closed. Are you hearing me? Their eyes were not, I want you to get a hold of this. Their eyes were not opened, their eyes were actually closed. And what you have to realize is that before the fall, Adam and Eve, they did not see and walk according to what they saw in the natural. Because the reality was that they were naked, but they did not see it. 
They saw what God had put in front of them. They saw the glory of God. They saw the presence of God. They saw the purpose of God. They saw the fulfillment of God within their lives. But at the moment that they sinned, their eyes were not open. They were actually closed. They lost their spiritual vision and began to see only what they could see in the natural realm. Are you following what I'm saying? And so they, they could only see at that moment in time, from that moment in time, what was apparent before them in the natural realm. They could no longer see in the spirit. They could no longer had spiritual insight. They could only see and they were confined to a life of living solely by what they saw in the natural realm. See, the devil is a liar and the exact opposite was true as to what he said. Instead of their eyes being opened, they lost their spiritual vision. Please write this down. Disobedience and unholy living will cause you to lose your spiritual insight. Spiritual, excuse me, sinful living will destroy accurate spiritual vision. Sin will deceive and it will produce self-justification within your life. Whenever Eve was confronted and Adam was confronted about their sin, of course, the first thing that Adam did is he began to blame his wife. He said, you know, nothing that I did, you know, that, hey, it was, it was my wife. And whenever Eve was confronted, she began to blame the only two people, two intelligent people, you know, that was actually Adam. He began to blame only two intelligent people uh, that that uh, he knew he blamed his wife and he also blamed God he, because he said, Lord, the woman that you gave me. So what he was actually saying was this. He was saying, you know, I was fine until you created this woman and now this woman has made a mess. And by the way, that still goes on a lot of times. Men, you know, if you're gonna be the head of your house and you need to take responsibility for what's going on there. Thank you for that overwhelming response, hallelujah. But Adam justified himself, Eve justified herself. It wasn't me, the devil told me to do this. The serpent told me to do this. Please write this down. What tantalizes you today can kill you tomorrow. What tantalizes you today can kill you tomorrow. Those who live a sinful lifestyle ultimately lose their spiritual vision. Samson is a prime biblical example of this. He was a powerful man of God. He was anointed of the spirit of the Lord. He was clothed with strength, but he got involved with wild and loose women. Men don't get involved with wild and loose women. The Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And by the way, you need to draw water from your own well. Can all the men say amen to that? I said, you need to draw water from your own well. You know what? God gave me a beautiful well. So it just went right over some of your head there. God gave me a beautiful well. God gave me a brick house. Y'all know what I'm talking about. She's on brick house. Yeah, I know she's almost 60, but glory to God, she's still beautiful to me. Hallelujah. Listen, men, I'm going to say this the best way I know. And y'all know we're very transparent here and these kind of things need to be talked about in church. And what I found is because many pastors are afraid to talk about it, it causes the release of things that don't need to be released in the body of Christ. You know what? Your eye needs to be single. 
my eyes single. I'm looking at this woman. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And listen, come on, baby, light my fire. And that's the way your wife ought to look to you. Amen. Would all the men just look at your wife and say, come on, baby, light my fire. <laughs> oh, you won't, you won't find that in the church down the street. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. God gave me a woman and she lights my fire. Is that too strong for you? Nobody else needs to be lighting your fire, men. And women, nobody else needs to be lighting your fire. And by the way, you don't need to have some kind of hunk that you're in love with on television. You're a superstar that you're watching every day and you're going, oh, he's such a hunk. I wish my husband was that way. Right? I told my wife, you got a hunk. It's just a hunk in a different way. <laughs> hunk a hunk of burning love. Hallelujah. I don't even know what this has to do with, but somebody needed to hear it. <laughs> Samson. Samson got involved with wild women. I'm just saying it like it is. He got involved with Philistine harlots. Called of God, anointed of God, but got involved with the wrong people, started engaging in sin. And I'm telling you, whenever you begin to do that, ultimately it will lead to you losing your sight. You will lose your sight, you will lose vision. Because at the end of Samson's life, it says this in Judge 16, 21, or right before the end, and the Philistines laid hold upon him, Judges 16, 21, and the Philistines laid hold on him and put out his eyes. You see, his sinful living brought him into captivity and to blindness. I can tell you that's a picture of a lot of people in the church, unfortunately. A lot of people who say they're Christians, but yet they're living like the world. A lot of people who say that they're believers, but they're living just like everybody else. And my friend, God's called you to be holy. He's called you to live a separate life. He's called you to live different from those that are in the world. We don't hear a lot about that in churches today because holiness is not a popular subject. But can I tell you once again, God desires and requires that we live holy before the Lord. That's the reason it says without holiness, you can't see God. Did you get that? You see, whenever you begin to walk in unholiness, you're blinded in order to see the Lord, in order to see what God has for you, in order to see the fullness of what he has for you, you have to make a decision. I'm not going to live the way of the world. I'm not going to live and walk in sin. I'm going to walk in righteousness and I'm going to walk in holiness. Amen. How many you say I'm going to walk in holiness before the Lord? How many say I am not going to walk in disobedience? By the way, if you've been walking and living in a sinful lifestyle, I have one word for you. Stop. Just stop. Look at somebody and say, just stop. You know, there's some things that, you know, I'm going to say it the best way I know how to say it, but, and that is this. Even Jesus can't do it for you. You've got to make the decision to do it. Right? You have to make a decision. I'm not going to do this any longer. I'm not going to walk in this manner any, anymore. The second thing that will actually cause blindness, spiritual blindness, is wrong believing. Wrong believing. Believing the wrong thing. Wrong doctrine or wrong believing causes your perception to be skewed. People lose their spiritual sight whenever they believe incorrectly. Let me give you some examples. 
You know, those who believe God sends sickness can't see healing. Those who believe that they can't help but sin continue in it. Those who believe God wants them poor, they never succeed and never see blessing or prosperity. Those who believe that they're defective will live in shame all of their days. Those who believe others are out to get them live paranoid and in fear rather than believing that they walk in favor. Listen, my Bible says that I walk in the favor of God. Everybody say, I walk in the favor of God. You see, we've got to conform our believing. We have to conform our thinking to what God's word says. That's what keeps our spiritual vision in tune. And so what we have to realize is this, the grace of God that has been given to me, it enables me and empowers me to live above sin. And the Bible says, Pastor Joshua quoted it this morning, several different scriptures about healing, but healing is a part of the same covenant. The same covenant that took away your sins, the blood of Jesus that took away your sin, the same blood covenant, there is healing that is also available. It has been made available to us. It is a part of our covenantal rights, amen? Prosperity is a blessing from the Lord, amen? Listen, if you really believe that God wants to keep you poor, then you need to quit your job as quickly as you can. Because no telling, the boss might give you a raise tomorrow and it might cause you to be prospered more. See, that's just such a ridiculous line of thinking. My friend, God wants to make you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, the lender and not the borrower. He wants to bless you in such a way that it begins to overflow. That's the reason Jesus said, give. He commanded us, first of all, give. And this is what's gonna happen. After you obey me, it's gonna be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will men give unto your bosom? How many believe that Jesus said what he meant and he meant what he said? How many believe that he will make you the head and not the tail? How many of you believe that God desires for you to have a nice house? How many believe that God desires for you to have a nice ride? How many believe that God desires to promote you in the area of business and in the place of your employment? Amen? That's God's plan for you. He doesn't want you to be poor and broke and sick and tired. My friend, that's what the enemy came and what he has uh, attempted to do within the lives of people. We have to realize that our God is the restorer, not the destroyer, amen? He's the healer, not the one putting sickness upon people. Well, wrong believing whenever you start, if you start believing wrong and you start believing incorrectly, what will happen is your spiritual vision will become blurred and you will not be able to see correctly. You will lose spiritual sight whenever you believe wrong. The next thing is this. Are y'all getting anything out of this? We're at the end of it. We're going to bring this all together. And I believe, listen, I believe God is healing our sight today. Hallelujah. For you that have been walking in spiritual blindness, God has taken the blinders off today. Here's the third thing. The pursuit and, the pursuit and motivation of money and opportunity. Well, thank you for that overwhelming response. You know, I want everybody to understand as we've just quoted all these scriptures and all these principles about how that God wants to bless you, we have to realize this, that is not our pursuit in life. The Bible says that, you know, uh, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things that he possesses. Let me tell you what, you can have all the money in the world and still be a poor man. You can have the biggest house in Bay County and still be a poor man. You can drive a Bentley and still be a poor man. 
because our richness is not based solely upon what we have or what we've accumulated. Our richness is based upon things that cannot necessarily be measured in a natural way. Can I tell you, all three of my children are serving God with their spouses, and they're all healthy. Can I tell you, I'm a rich man. Hallelujah. Can I tell you that all of our kids, uh, they actually own their own homes. Can I tell you that I'm a rich man? Can I tell you that all three of our children, that they prophesy in the house of the Lord? Can I tell you, I'm a rich man? Can I tell you that I have nine grandchildren that all love God, and there was, uh, uh, how many of them? Five of them, five, they were seven okay there were seven I'm gonna gotta go back to school all right learn some math had seven of them up, up here this morning I think one was actually out in the nursery but we had so we had six of them this morning I'm gonna get it right here we had six of them this morning all down front worshiping and praising the Lord can I tell you that I am a very very rich man I've said this before I could live in a cardboard box not that I'm planning on doing that but I could live in a cardboard box on the side of the street and still say Lord God you have blessed me above my wildest dreams praise God Amen? Now again, God wants to bless you even with things of the natural, but understand that is not supposed to be our pursuit. In 2 Peter 2.15, it says, they have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Notice that, he loved the wages. He loved the wages. I'm gonna say it like this, he loved money. And he loved money. He actually was tempted to go after money and do something that was unrighteous. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness. That word madness literally means insanity of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now whenever you, you read this story of Balaam, I'm not going to spend a long time on it, but what you see in the story of Balaam is... There's a king that wanted him to come and prophesy against Israel. And Balaam's sin was this, that he even entertained the thought. And he, made, he decided that he was going to go meet the king. My friend, you can't even entertain the thought of something that is going to take you out of the will of God. You, see, we don't do things as Christians because there's more money that's involved in it. We do it because that's the way that the Lord is directing our paths and directing our steps. Can I tell you, a church could show up tomorrow, some board say, we're gonna, we're gonna pay you this extravagant amount of money. You know what I would tell them? Absolutely not. I'm exactly where God wants me. I'm not for sale. So we've had a pattern, unfortunately, a lot of times preachers are for sale, pastors are for sale. They're up for the highest bidder. Listen, I didn't do this because of money. We didn't start a church because of money. We did this because this was the will of God. This was the plan of God. This is the directive of the Lord, amen? And so we should never do things just because, well, there's more money that's involved in this. Listen, if you get a job offer somewhere else and you're making three times as much, you, mean, you need to pray about it and make sure it's the Lord because it could be the enemy trying to get you out of the will of God. So Balaam was going to meet the, this king and he's riding a donkey. And while he's riding the donkey, in consideration of prophesying against Israel and speaking against Israel, the donkey sees the angel of the Lord. And because of that, the donkey stops. Of course, Balaam, he gets angry and he beats the donkey. And uh, finally, 
when all said and done, the donkey turns around to him and begins to speak to him. Now, this is the very amazing thing. Balaam actually carried on a conversation with a beast of burden. That's how far his blindness had went. Now, think about this. He was called to be a prophet of the Lord. He was called to see things that others could not see. He was called to hear things that others could not hear and then begin to declare it. However, get this, because of the greed within his heart and his pursuit of money and wealth, get this, a donkey could see what he, as a prophet of God, could not even see. I'm going to say that again. A donkey could see. A beast could see something that he, as a man of God, could not actually perceive. My friend, whenever you begin to go after just money and opportunity, it will always lead to spiritual blindness. Again, think about it. Balaam called and anointed to hear and see what God was speaking and doing. He became so blind that he could not even see what a donkey actually was able to see. If money is your motivation in life, you'll walk in blindness. If money and things become the pursuit of your life, your spiritual vision will become dull. Jesus said this, you cannot serve God in money. That's what he said. As a matter of fact, the one place where God actually refers to somebody as a fool as actually the wealthy man who has a great harvest and he puts it in barns and he builds bigger barns and he puts it in bar, you know, puts his next harvest in these barns and they're all full. And he says, hey, soul, take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And what the Lord says in that parable, he calls him a fool. In other words, it is foolish behavior for you to put your trust in money and wealth. Uh, again, nothing wrong with an IRA, nothing wrong with investing in the stock market. That's all wonderful and good. But hear this. If you got your trust in that, you may be shaken up. Because that is not an economy system that is going to be here forever. That's just the reality. And we have to realize that we have to make sure that we keep our trust in the Lord, which means this, regardless of what happens, my God will supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In other words, you make a decision and you are firmly rooted and planted in the understanding that God will supply for me regardless of what may be going on. Can everybody say amen? This is the last thing right here, and that is this, past hurt. Past hurt will blind you. When people are hurt, they view everything through the lens of what someone else did to them. Everybody that they look at, they begin to see them through the lens of what somebody else did to them. Listen, if you've been hurt by a previous pastor, may I encourage you this morning to get healed of your past hurt. Why should you get healed? Because if you don't get healed, the next thing you know, you're going to be looking at me and you'll be looking at Pastor Joshua and other leaders within our church through that same lens. And that's what happens many times. Many years ago, about a decade ago, we were in Orlando. And uh, this is before we actually started the church. And uh, we had went down there for a couple of days to go to Disney World with the kids. This again, this is about a decade ago. Josiah at that time was about two or three years old. And he was just, yeah, a little baby. And uh, Pastor Joshua and Miranda and, and Josiah, they were in a room and then, Pastor Stacy and I, we were in a room, and, uh, and so we were getting ready, and we went over to their room as in that morning, and we were playing with Josiah, and, uh, and so I was using Pastor Stacy as my shield, and I would just kind of go, 
you know, I would peek, play peekaboo with, and I go, hey, you know, playing with him. And uh, uh, Pastor Stacy, she just, I have such an irresistible face. She wanted to reach up there and just pat me on the face. However, uh, her hand did not actually go to my face. Her, her fingernail went into my eye. And it was one of the most painful things that I ever experienced in my life. And I, ah! I went to the sink and I began to splash water and I thought something was in it and I tried rinsing it out and it just, the pain persisted and pain persisted. And uh, so we went on with the day and I was in agony. Went and, uh, yes, I had sunglasses on everywhere I went. We went to lunch. It finally got so bad. I said, I cannot handle this anymore. I feel like I'm going to throw up. I said, we got to go home. And... Uh, Listen, let me tell you, men, how bad I was hurting. I was hurting so bad. Yes, to go back to Panama City. Yes, to go back home. And uh, I was hurting so bad that uh, I let my wife drive. (laughs) Some of you men know what I'm talking about, right? Right, right. If you're in the car, you're going to drive the car, right? I, I don't want to be chauffeured, okay? Nothing wrong with that. She, she does. Uh, I got delivered of all that pride, so now it's not that big of a deal. But anyway. But anyway, so we're at, I had to let her drive. I tried to drive a little bit. I couldn't take it. I was hurting so bad. She, she took the wheel and and I was over in the passenger seat, and I was stomping my foot. And, and this is just not characteristic of me at all. And I was stomping my foot in the, in, the, in the floorboard, and I was going, ah, it hurts. It hurts so bad. And so we called Pastor Paul. Paul worked for an optometrist, and they arranged to stay late and actually see me. I said, we'll be there at 6 o'clock. And I walked in there at 6 o'clock, and they were waiting for me. And when we walked in, there was this, this uh, there was an African-American nurse that was there. And I'll tell you what, she was God's messenger of deliverance to me. They, lay, they put me down in a chair and they put some kind of, it's a Novocaine for your eyes. That's an eye drop. And immediately all the pain left just like that. I'm telling you, I'm not somebody that kisses other people other than my wife, but I was ready to kiss that woman at that moment in time. I didn't, but I was ready to. It hurt so bad. And all of a pain went, bam, it was gone. Just immediately like that, I felt like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I mean, for, for about eight or 10 hours, I had been in this, you know, agonizing pain. And, uh, and so the doctor examined it and he said, he said, well, there's the problem. He said, there's, your, your cornea has five layers and uh, your wife tore five, four layers of the five of your cornea and showed me a, a picture of it where we could actually see it and you could see the fingernail mark. It was a, a curve and my whole cornea was torn, jagged. And I finally felt justified. He said, you know what? We have big bodybuilders come in here with these injuries and crawling on their knees. And you walked in here. All right. I felt like. 
I walked in. They, they said, this is one of the most painful. There's more nerve endings. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm not just telling you a story. Listen, I went through this agony, so I'm going to milk it and use it for something that's going to be beneficial to people. She said, you know, uh, and anyway, said people come in there, this, it, there's more nerve endings in your cornea than any other place in your body. And whenever it gets torn, your body does a four alarm, uh, every bell goes off in your body and it begins to scream at you in pain. And so what they ended up doing, this is what they did. They said, we're going to put this salve on there. And then what we're going to do, they're going to put, they put like a contact, a clear contact. And, um, and we had to do some things for this about three or four days. I can't remember exactly how long it was, but just for a, little, a short while. But let me tell you what happened during that time. Number one is I could not see. Everything was blurry. All because I had been hurt. Something that's that small, it didn't feel that small. You know, a lot of times, something that may be small may actually end up hurting us very deeply. It may be something that to other people seems small, but to us it was something major. It may have been something that may seem so minute that we don't even want to share it with anybody. But hear this, my friend, I don't care what has happened to you, God wants to heal you today. He wants to deliver you today. He wants to deliver you and heal you of that hurt so that you can begin to walk the way that you're designed to walk, so that you can see the way that you're designed to see, so that you won't walk in spiritual blindness. And so many people, because of the hurt that's happened within their lives, you know what, and sometimes it could be something that happened 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. For some of you that are elderly, it may have happened 70 years ago. It may have been something that your mom and dad that you did. And I'm not trying to get you to dig that stuff up, but I'm telling you, if you're responding out of that hurt, you need to get healed of it today so that you can move forward in the purpose of God, so that you can see rightly. So about three or four days, I couldn't see correctly. And there were different precautions that we had to take for several weeks. I had to, I had to put this salve in there on a regular basis. You know why? Because there was a process. Everybody say process. There was a process of healing that was going on within my eye. I want to close this morning with this scripture. In Revelations 3.18, this is what Jesus was speaking to the church at Laodicea. There's so many things that we can derive from that, but Revelations 3.18, if we can pull that scripture up very quickly, Revelations 3.18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments. By the way, keep the scripture up there. The church at Laodicea was the lukewarm church. And most of the time in the church, the way that we think of lukewarm, we think of hot, lukewarm, and then cold. Isn't that the way we think of hot, lukewarm and cold. However, in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work that way. God's value system says hot, cold, and lukewarm. Right? Now, whenever you read the entire passage, we don't have time to go into the entire passage, but this is, I'm going somewhere with this. What you will see is they kept saying, we're rich. And the Lord said, no, you're not rich, you're poor. We're full of good things. 
And the Lord would say, no, you're not full of good things. You're full of wickedness. Think about this. He's talking to saved people here. Jesus is talking to saved people. And he's saying, you're not full of the goodness of God. You're full of wickedness. He said, this is basically what causes somebody to, to be lukewarm. Is they believe something that is false. They believe everything is okay whenever they're not okay. They believe that they're clothed when they're actually naked. They believe that they're doing everything right whenever God says, no, you're actually walking in sin. They believe that they're rich and everything is hunky-dory. However, really within their lives, things are not that way. And I said all that to say this. What I believe the Lord is saying today, for some of you, you've swept some things under the rug and you said it's okay. And I'm telling you, the Lord is saying today, you know, it's not okay. It's time to lift up the rug and begin to deal with that and get rid of it permanently because God wants to bring deliverance to you and he wants to bring healing to you. And as long as you're swept under the rug, my friend, you'll not get healed of it. He says that you may be rich in white garments so you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes, go get this, and anoint your eyes with asav that you may see. Again, he's talking to saved people here. And Jesus is saying, you think that you have sight, but you're really blind. The reality is you gotta have some asav on your eyes. See, my eye eventually healed. There was a process. I had to walk it out. There were some things that I had to do in order to receive the fullness of healing for my eye. And hear this, there are some things that you may have to do in order to walk everything out. It's not necessarily, of course, we think many times, particularly in Pentecostal charismatic circles, you know, we're just going to lay hands on people and they're going to fall out under power and that's the cure for everything. And my friend, I'm telling you what, you've eventually got to get up off the floor and you've got to walk out your healing and you've got to walk out your deliverance. And sometimes that's not the solution at all, falling out under the power. I've seen people fall out under the power of God, had a great experience, and then one day later, they're back in the same things. That is not always the solution for everything. I'm not discounting it. Thank God for it. I'm just saying that is not necessarily the solution in itself. And we have to realize there's a process that God wants to bring forth within our lives to restore our sight, to heal us of any area of hurt. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.